The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hi everybody, how you doing? Thanks for tuning back into the show. Uh, The episode this week is going to really be focusing on scholarships because that process is winding down right now. So if you're one of those piercers who uh, heard me talking about scholarships a week ago, a month ago, and you were kind of dragging your feet thinking like, I still have time, I still have time, you officially do not have time anymore. Um, As this publishes, you only have about a week and a half to get your uh, scholarship in. The deadline is going to be February 6th. 2020. So if you can't have your uh, your paperwork done by February 5th, chances are uh, you're not going to get picked. So uh, every year I, I end up talking to piercers who say, oh, I'm definitely going to apply. I'm definitely going to apply. And then uh, I'm one of the people that receives the applications. And a lot of times I don't see those names in the, in the application folder. So some people say, well, you know, I didn't know that I needed two reference letters from somebody in the industry outside of my shop. I didn't know that I needed a video answering questions. I, I, I didn't know this, that, or whatever. Um, go to the website, read the application right now. Go ahead and pause the podcast. You want to go to safepiercing.org. You can click on the conference tab, and then you click on the scholarships tab under that, and it'll give you all the information. If you want to just type it in directly, you go to safepiercing.org slash al underscore d underscore scholarships dot php that'll bring you directly to the scholarship page but again it's very easy to find and navigate uh, through the app website to find it read the application over know what you need to prepare prepare it well and have it in on time and then you're going to have just as good of a shot as the other people that have submitted Uh, but if you can't do that if you rush it if you don't start working on it until february 4th or 5th chances are we're not going to pick you because it's not going to be a very strong application so uh, pay attention to it and hopefully you can be one of the people who were chosen to go out to the association of professional peer conference in Las Vegas this summer. So my guest this week is someone who was picked as a scholar for the APP conference in 2019, and that's Ryan Caruana. Ryan is currently working at Mauve Piercing in Montreal, Quebec, Canada with Pat Pierce. Uh, It's a really good studio, really good opportunity for Ryan. Ryan really shined as one of the scholars uh, this this past year at conference. Uh, Every year I'd say we have overall the scholars are hard workers, but we'll still have a couple of standouts uh, each year. And Ryan was definitely one of the standouts for 2019, so it's really nice to see that um, someone as capable and as kind as him is in as good of a studio as Mauve um, with someone like uh, Pat Pierce to, to help mentor. So it's really great to see that. Ryan gives a really good perspective on what it was like going into the application process and how uh, you know nerve-wracking that was and actually getting to conference and how that, that tension started to kind of dissolve away and, and you kind of got to just become part of the, the overall team. And then taking that information you learned at conference and how to apply it to your, your personal practices and to the studio you're working in when you get home. It's a really good interview with Ryan Caruana. So let's go ahead and get into that. I'm not going to give you too much information about my classes except to say uh, next my focus is going to be on Concord California on February 24th. 
uh, and that's going to be for my advanced application of bevel theory class. So if you're anywhere around the Bay Area of California, if you want to come and attend and learn a little bit more about bevel theory, uh, go ahead and email me at ryanpba at gmail.com. For more information, you can go to precisionbodyarts.com slash seminars, or you can follow Body Art Education by Ryan Willett on Facebook. I've created event pages for pretty much all the classes I'm teaching between now and April. I think there's like seven or eight of them in total. So a lot of different opportunities for different classes. So let's go ahead and get into this interview with Ryan Caruana, and I'll be back a little bit more at the end. My name is Ryan Caruana. I currently work at Mauve Body Piercing in Montreal, Quebec. Uh, my Instagram for piercing is piercing underscore by underscore Ryan, and the shop's Instagram is Mauve Montreal. I'm kind of... Uh... I'm kind of upset at how many Ryans there are now in the industry because for a long time I was the only Ryan, so it was really easy having conversations. <laughs> People go, oh yeah, did you hear this thing Ryan did or whatever? And now it's like, Ryan, which which Ryan? Because there, there are so many Ryans now in the piercing industry. Yeah, well, it was even like when I was uh, I was helping a little bit this year uh, at conference and it was the Ryan Squared thing at this point. Just right. I seem to always be teamed up with another one of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... That that's kind of one of the first things that I wanted to talk to you about is you were one of the LD scholars last year, and we're kind of right in the middle of uh, get your application ready season right now. So, talk a little bit about your experience. Where where were you at as a body piercer before you came to conference? Like, what drove you to wanting to apply for the scholarship? So before I made it to conference, uh, I was working in Guelph, Ontario at Piercings by Jay. Uh, I was definitely very new. I, I still am. I'm coming into my third year as a piercer now. But at the time, I was somewhat confident in myself, but still somewhat, you know, you're unsure. You're still so new that you're not... You think you know what you're doing, but it's, it's a big think, not you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely, you know, I knew I'd wanted to go to conference, uh, since before I was a piercer, so it was, a a big one to really aim for and to get ready for, because I knew that I, I had to and felt a little somewhat isolated, I guess, with getting to, to shadow easily and everything like that, so that was where my head was at coming into it for sure. So how intimidating was it to actually start putting that application together and get that submitted? It was definitely, I don't know what specifically made it feel so intimidating, but I was definitely like mildly terrified making, you know, making my application video and everything and really going through with it. Yeah. Well, was there anything that um, stuck out as feeling more awkward? Like, I know some people say that having to film a video and kind of talking about yourself can feel really strange or maybe asking other piercers for recommendation letters or anything like that. Was there anything that you kind of had to push yourself through a little bit, maybe? I think the the video definitely was, was a big part of that. It's a, it's a little weird to kind of really put yourself out there and say why you think you, you know, deserve it so much. Um, and it felt a little awkward in that sense, I guess, just because then you start questioning, well, why, why do I deserve this? Why should I get it and everything? Mm-hmm. Um, and then especially coming from a spot where I wasn't, you know, incredibly confident in myself, uh, like my skills at that time, especially, um, now it really becomes the, oh, what if I make it and I, you know, make a fool of myself in my video or, you know, all those doubts start really kind of packing in. 
Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so I've been involved in the process for for years now, and there's kind of this tightrope that people have to walk where you, you do want to be honest about financial need. You know, if, if it's, uh, you have medical bills, you have kids, you're in, you're in a shop where, you know, you're making 50 bucks a week or, you know, just all these different things. Sometimes people don't feel, um, like that's really what they should be talking about. I don't know really how to, the best way to phrase it, but just kind of like you said, like, you know, why am I, the one for you to choose to go. You know, sometimes people, they don't want to make it seem like a sob story. And sometimes they shine over some of the details. And we've had, we've had some people where they've definitely kind of pressed something as being a hardship when it's not really a hardship. And then we've had other people who don't tell us all the, the massive things, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm completely supporting my grandmother. Hey, you know, I've got all this medical debt for my, for my kids or, you know, Hey, I, whatever whatever it is so um I, I would definitely try to urge people to just be be honest you know don't try to milk it or anything like that but obviously be honest because we there's a huge part of it that's a financial component and sometimes we get people applying where it doesn't really seem like they have a financial need they want to just kind of tick the box of being a scholar yeah well, and, and absolutely and it's a uh, of course no one likes to admit that they need help especially yeah when it comes to money stuff and everything it's there's a little difference being like hey you know help me out on this technique you know i think i did pretty good but i could do better but that doesn't really cost anything but a couple minutes of time when it's something like that and it's a lot of money that's helping out i think that's when that that really comes into it that it shies people away from it a little bit um i know i definitely felt a little strange admitting that I needed help in that way and but I knew that I did uh, at the time uh, I was not making a ton I was quite new to the industry uh, I was traveling by bus almost two and a half hours each way to work uh, for just two days a week kind of deal um, so definitely making it there wasn't possible as much as I you know wanted to feel like hey I'm I'm in my career I've got this but it's probably the best thing I ever did was to you know, accept, hey, I need help. These people want to help me and, you know, let them do it, basically. Yeah, I mean, scholarship is not is not a dirty word. I don't know if it's just the, the state of higher education now, people going to college, people going to universities where scholarships aren't really a major factor of that anymore. So maybe they don't see it as a completely normal thing. Like, I, there's nothing wrong with applying for financial aid when especially when you're someone who who deserves that that extra hand you know because a lot of people they just have to kind of get over that hump where they're in it they're at a point in their career where it's like well how do i get better without access to information how do i get access to information without money which comes from the career which i can't really build yet so it's it's this weird domino effect where sometimes just getting to conference that one time can set people off on this this lifelong career and it's really it's really important to to see a scholarship as a viable method to get there and absolutely and i think even uh, i had met a, a quite a handful of people that were in somewhat of the same situation you know and but by going to conference then they were able to make so many more connections and then that's how they were able to move from where they were whether it was upgrading studios somewhere that you know they could just be a little bit busier and make some more whatever it was but it seemed like you just had to make it there once 
and you could make you know a hundred connections and really set things rolling so fast um, in just a matter of five days could completely change everything in your life basically yeah I've seen it I've seen it every year I you know being fortunate enough to be involved in the scholarship process I really get to see people who, who have a huge impact from it uh, people who they struggled you know people who have been piercing for not just the people who have been in it for maybe two years but the people that might have been in it for ten years and they never mm-hmm. really got a shot to see that wide world of, of what's out there jewelry and, and techniques and different studios some a lot of a lot of piercers are kind of still stuck in that bubble of their own shop they're not really pushed to to get out and shadow and talk to other piercers and meet other piercers and, and share information so um, what what was it kind of like for you you know in a spot where you're you're traveling you're commuting that much for just a couple of days at work uh, what kind of access did you have to to information did you feel like you were a little bit like throttled back from it yeah, definitely for sure. Um, so like I said, so I was working with Jay and he was great, absolutely. Um, and, you know, would try his best to help me and some of the other piercers in like the, the southwestern Ontario area that I knew. Um, but it felt a little like you were kind of stuck in that bubble. So you were stuck in the, the GTA, the greater Toronto area sort of deal. Um, but then the outside world seemed kind of unreachable and there was no way to break into it with anyone else. Um so definitely all that traveling, it was kind of like a, a means to an end. It, it worked for now, and I didn't want to leave the industry, so it was the, the choice to just keep up with it. Um, but it did seem like there was kind of no way out almost sometimes, that I would always be stuck in that kind of just make enough to make it run, basically, and that was it. You wouldn't grow past or anything. Sure, sure. I mean, even if you're in a studio with good mentoring and, mm-hmm. and good materials, if you only get to do it twice a week, you're really limited for your, your growth. And especially if you're in an area where people are really spaced out, um, you, you don't really have easy access to say like, hey, do you want to just meet up next Tuesday and hang out and, and talk about piercings? If it if it's like a, a huge effort to get those contacts and that information, it can really hold you back. And I've seen a lot of piercers kind of say uh you know i learned more in the one year after i went to conference than in the five years leading up to my first time at conference because it just gives you that lens of um there are so many correct ways to do things and you might be working with someone again who's a great mentor but they're showing you their way and you know maybe it's a a slightly different tweak that really kind of clicks for you and sometimes you don't know what works for you and what what doesn't work for you until you can kind of break out of that bubble and start to see everything yeah, absolutely. I seemed um, like I still had my, my mentors and stuff like that back in the States and everything that I would always talk to and everyone that I had always met. But it really does become that that challenge when, you know, it's the vicious circle. It's like, I know people, but I can't meet up with them to learn more. Thus, I can't adapt it. Thus, I can't get busier. And then you just hit that little trifecta of being stuck sort of deal that yeah. I, I see. My, I think I was facing a lot. So uh, when you when you went through like the end of the process for the scholarships, like once you got that the email where it's like, okay, you made the first cut, you're going to be one of the finalists, we're going to maybe start setting you up with interviews and all that stuff. What was the process like at that point? Did it get less stressful or more stressful? 
I think a, a little bit of both. Um, it was definitely, it was definitely relieving. I guess it's like, oh wow, hey, like I, you know, it's not just like winning the lottery. It's you know, you actually, I actually might get this. Um, but then of course, yeah, getting into the interviews were a, a little tricky when you're you know being interviewed by someone you look up to or whatnot, and then the the pressure is kind of on for sure. But I think the the team made sure everyone knew exactly what to expect. Everyone was friendly and actually kind going through it and helpful. Um, so I shouldn't say it was an intimidating thing. It was more so just I put a, a lot of pressure on myself, basically. Sure, yeah. Uh, I, I think it's totally normal to feel that because uh, typically the people who are going through the trouble of going through that whole process, and especially the people who make it through the first round, um, they can really appreciate the the impact it can have on their career mm-hmm. and knowing that it's it's maybe almost a flip of a coin as to this person gets to go and this person stays home uh that i'd imagine yeah that can be kind of a, a pressure situation but mm-hmm. for the people that do get those yes calls it's it's got to probably be a really good sensation absolutely i uh, actually remember um i got my yes call from you and i was uh, i was in the airport waiting for my connecting flight and i probably scared the people like the next terminal over i yelled so loud afterwards that's great that's like really sweet to hear actually yeah yep (laughs) maintain composure on the phone the second the phone goes down and the little mini celebration before i get on the plane (laughs) (laughs) that's got to be like one of the best feeling plane rides though just like grinning ear to ear the whole time Yep, I was uh, definitely coming home. Was like, I want off this plane. Like, I can't sit still. I need to tell someone. Like, I was so excited. Yeah, that's amazing. That's great. So, well, then, what was it like actually getting on the plane and, and going to Vegas? Was it just this like, like feeling of satisfaction, or was it again more more pressure because you were were you were looking forward to a really big week? I think it that point all the all of the stress and everything kind of went away and because it was so well structured with everything and you know everyone was so in contact with each other before that we all knew that all like the LDs and stuff were going to get together once we got there and everything so going there was just pure excitement at that point all the the stress and everything had kind of left by then for sure that's great that's great uh, I know that a lot of the the volunteer time, the beginning of the week is just like meetings and meetings and meetings and meetings and meetings. Uh, did any of it like melt your brain a little bit? Because I know some of those meetings are like <laughs> five or six hours long or maybe even longer. Yeah, some of them definitely, definitely were. I was, uh, it's not what I was expecting, I guess, when we first got there, but I mm-hmm. guess it, it was still kind of, even though it was, some of it was quite boring and, you know, come hour five six it's like okay i i need to get up and do something it was also just fun to kind of look at the around the room and see so many people that i think a lot of our the younger piercers and us newer ones and people that have been doing it a long time really look up to and even though you were mildly bored out of your mind at sections of it you're also like wow i'm sitting in a room with like 20 people that i've idolized my whole career and we're all doing the same thing together and that that though that moment, uh, and I've I've been in the room for that moment uh, more than once. 
uh, it really proves to me like what the APP is. You know, like I know that there are piercers out there who still to this day think the APP is a scam and that we're just trying to trick people into buying more expensive oh. jewelry or what whatever their rationale is. But I've been hearing that my whole career before I I had anything to do with the APP before I was capable of being a member before I met membership standards before I could get to conference there were people that were just like oh yeah the APP is just trying to blah 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 and then I, I go when I sit in those rooms and it's like like you said people who have been at it for a really long time and new people and everybody's just sitting as equals you're sitting on the floor sharing a bag of Doritos listening to how the week's going and you're learning about all these different uh, like policies and training and all that stuff and to me, that just shows like how everybody is just so dedicated to what they love, which is body piercing. Like the egos are are gone when you get to a moment like that because we all need to chip in to make conference run smooth. Well, naturally, and I think that was the nice part is from basically the second I showed up. Uh, it's kind of funny. It's it's very easy to tell who's there for conference and who's not. Yeah. Um, but even without the badge, you know, the second any of the other piercers at the airport saw me, they immediately were like, hey, are you going to conference and stuff? Like, let's go. We'll share a cab going there. And it was just the second you get there, everyone swoops you in, whether you know them or not. It didn't really matter. And it was kind of just like this massive family from the second, you know, you introduce yourself to the second you leave and odd words. So it was, uh, it was pretty great definitely getting there and kind of getting over that whole, this is my first time here, this is crazy, and then, you know, everyone kind of drops the ego and made it amazing. Yeah, yeah. There's hope for humanity yet at the APP conference. A little bit. <laughs> and it, it's the only bit in Las Vegas, but it's there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The rest of Las Vegas is just a dumpster fire. Yeah, whatever that is, but yeah. <laughs> so what was the what was the week like for you? You know, what were some of the standout moments? What was it more being part of that volunteer family, or were the were the classes blowing your mind, or expo, or was it just kind of everything? The whole experience. I think it was just the whole experience. Honestly, it was. Everything seemed to happen so fast, and you didn't ever want it to stop. Uh, you know, the the classes were amazing, of course, uh, with like all the the instructors, and it was great that at the end of the class you could actually you know go up, chat for a little bit. If you had any like more in depth questions, you could go ask. Um, the the volunteer team was beyond amazing. Uh, you know, from like going for you know volunteer breakfast kind of thing, or everyone just having lunch together and stuff like that kind of meeting in the middle all the volunteers kept you know checking in like have you eaten do you need a drink coffee red bull whatever you need you got it um and i think getting to uh with the the volunteering at least one of the the best parts i think that shine out of everything um was getting to like help jim ward set up and everything and it was interesting to kind of have that easy introduction where of course everyone wants to you know, say hi to Jim and everything, say hi to Cleo. It was a little different when you got to help them set up their booth. You got to, you know, have like a coffee with them in the morning before getting going. Um, and then now you get to talk to them on a, an even playing field, you know, just having breakfast, having a chat, nothing stressful, um, I think is probably like one of the sole moments that I, I took back home with me that uh, I don't think I'll ever live down. That's great. That's great to think about. Uh, I I don't really know how to fully describe it to people who haven't been there, but somebody like Jim Ward is an absolute perfect example. Um, 
really is responsible for what our industry is today. Like I, if, if, Jim Ward never opened up Gauntlet. I'm sure that somebody else would have come along and, and opened a studio, but it's the mm-hmm. fact that he didn't just open a shop to just benefit him. He wanted it to be a community. Uh, he you know, helped create the APP and, and drive that forward, and, and now still uh, connecting with all the new generations that, that are coming along and wanting to share all that information he can. And like it never, it's never a rock star moment or an ego moment because you know what it could be like it could be like you know some david lee roth type person like that just wants people to kiss the ring and maybe hand over a couple of dollars but jim ward just wants to meet people who have the same passions as him and it's really special to see that every year the the smile on his face and how many people appreciate the hard work that he's put in but the fact that he wants to meet people and learn their names and just talk about things and uh, it, it is a really special moment to see something like that Absolutely, and that was one that I, I honestly didn't expect, and sometimes there's that kind of whole saying, you know, be careful when meeting your heroes kind of thing, you might mm-hmm. be let down, and bad Jim, you know, I don't think I saw the smile leave his face from like 8am right at the start of the day till, you know, the end of the day kind of thing, he was always just beaming, always talking to everyone, would go introduce himself sometimes, and just, you know, if someone seemed lost, kind of be like, hey, what do you need? It was just one of those... You could expect maybe a rock star thing out of someone that did so much and then possibly one of the most humble people I had ever met. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I, I, I imagine that Jim has to feel a great deal of, of pride because he goes to something like that and he thinks, well, you know, 40 years ago when I was doing this uh, for, for just a small handful of friends in, in just the Hollywood area, you know, like... I never probably would have imagined that it would have turned, you know, and and just being able to see what it is now. Uh, And and then again, like a piercer like you comes along who is inspired by all these previous generations and then just gets to meet them face to face. And yeah, it it doesn't disappoint when you meet somebody like a Jim Ward. It does not disappoint. Absolutely. It definitely uh, told myself I wouldn't definitely almost cried when I did it was (laughs) it's a little bit much sometimes to to have and especially that many people you look up to around you in one room can be a little bit like overbearing and but no it's a it was definitely a a great one that I hope everyone gets to experience and it was fun as well seeing everyone else that was also a a first timer Um, you could see everyone had the same kind of look on their face and just everyone seemed to be in the same kind of feeling of awe sure sure you can totally you can sense that aura um like coming down the hallway sometimes where you get this buzz feeling and they're like oh who's who's coming down the hallway because like everybody just like their energy goes up and everybody's yep. whispering and like oh it's this person this person. and then like elaine angel comes around the corner with like the biggest smile in the world and and it's just like oh it's elaine of course it's elaine with this this glowing uh, personality um, yeah. But but just like that's that's all day at conference, you know, like you, you see uh, all these people from the jewelry companies that we all look up to and appreciate. And then you see the all these instructors who have been around and all, all these like giants in the industry. And they're all just so nice and they want to just meet everybody and smile and, you know, have fun. Yeah, I, I don't think I had out of I and I um, was helping do the doors and everything like that. So I basically came in contact with the vast majority of everyone and i don't think i had a single bad 
interaction with anyone at all. Even when things, you know, got a little crazy sometimes, like something uh, messed up with the, the classes and someone was supposed to be booked in or whatever, there was confusion, but no one, no one was rude. Everyone was kind of just smiles the whole way. So I think that definitely took uh, all the stress off of being a volunteer is at first you felt like you had so much responsibility and people banked so hard but even the people that weren't volunteers seemed to want to help you anyways and you know make sure things were okay so i think a lot of people that go to conference like the ones who have been there multiple years they all remember what it felt like to be there the first time they all remembered that like sort of panic sort of wonder that you had where it's like, I don't know where I'm supposed to be or what I'm supposed to be doing. And sometimes you see it on someone's face and you walk up and you're just like, hey, what are you looking for? Do you need, you need help getting somewhere? What, like, what do you need? And because you know that somebody probably did that for you on your first year, so you gotta, yep. you got to pay it forward. Yeah, exactly. It helps lead someone, and the it's a little bit of a labyrinth in there at times. It's it's kind of confusing. At least I found it to be. So it was nice to have someone to to see that little bit of confusion and the spin around in the halls to just be like, come on this way. We're in the same class, and just yeah. tug you along. Yeah, especially in in like the new hotel now, because before that, when we were in Bally's for years and years and years, after a couple of years, you'd know it by the back of your hand. But now with the new hotel, it's like, uh. I don't know where we're supposed to be going again. Yeah. Yeah, everyone's a little, con- we're all a little confused, so. Yeah, well, and we're all, like, half asleep and dehydrated and stuff, too. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, were there any standout classes for you? I, I know that sometimes when, when people go the first time, they have, like, a mind-blowing class, or they, they had some sort of, you know, piece of information that made things click and, and start to fall into place for them. Was there anything that stood out for you as far as classes go? Um, I think as far as classes went, uh, the the nipple class definitely stood out to me. Um, I guess doing them, I was so... My train of thought with them was very simple, you know, just mark and go. There wasn't too much to it, and now when I'm doing a set, there seems to be like 20 extra things I'm taking into account. So it seemed like out of any of the classes that really, really hit hard with my, you know, kind of daily uh, work status... Uh, the nipple class seemed to completely blow me away, and I completely changed my technique uh, from before going till after now. That's awesome. I apologize if they hear this one. I can't remember who else was tag teaming it with oh, Becky, but Becky was the main. <laughs> yeah, Becky was the one that I remembered. I, I can pretty much guarantee that if Becky's in any class, it's going to be a good class. Yeah, I uh, I remember Becky from a, a mile away uh, from the Fakir Intensive, so at least that was uh, one of the few faces I, I knew on day one coming in. <laughs> so I'll always remember any class she did. Becky's another one of those people who just has a permanent smile on her face, too. Even when yep. she's, like, um, really serious about something or really stern, she always at least has this, like, half smile on her face. So Becky's a, a great person to interact with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they... Becky definitely will just kind of scoop you up. It's like, cool, you're here. This is what we're doing. Let's go meet everyone. And yeah, I don't know how they do it with the, the perma smile, but it's uh, it's definitely appreciated every single day. <laughs> I think it's like a too blessed to be stressed kind of thing. I think some people, yep. they, they've they kind of moved past the, the stress in their life or they're, they're just really good at managing it. Brian Skelly is another person where just the, the weight that he carries... 
professionally and, you know, living on a different continent and being away from his family and all that stuff, but he's always just so calm and so zen and so full of information and so happy to share it that he's just another one of those people where anytime you're having a bad day, just go hover around, like, Elaine Angel, Brian Skelly, uh, Becky Dill, Jeff Saunders, and they're just going to radiate positive energy. Yeah, yeah, you can't, uh, you basically can't, try to be in a bad mood around them it's just not gonna work <laughs> right right um what about expo what was it like seeing all that jewelry in in one place expo was definitely dangerous um so i learned for next year to still continue to budget really hard going into expo because <laughs> it is so easy to just be like don't care that's a you know that's a six month away from me problems credit deal um sure. it's like don't do it <laughs> Um, yeah, it was definitely, it was amazing and to see, because of course we've all seen it online and you know what all of our friends' studios have and everything, but it was definitely mind-blowing to see it all kind of just all at once. You almost didn't know what to do with all of the information. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, every year I go, um, you know, I'll, I'll hit my regulars, the vendors that I'm already carrying yeah. in the shop, but then I'll want to walk around and I really want to pay attention to the vendors that I've never, ever heard of because that's that's where a lot of the innovation is coming out of. You know, you have these artisans who are in just their little studio at their, their, their shop or their house or something and they're just putting out super amazing work like Pupil Hall, you know, just mm-hmm. to see Pupil Hall kind of come out of nowhere within the last few years and just like blow people's minds with jewelry has, has been really cool to see. Actually, that was a uh, that was me with Oris this year. Um, I'd never heard of them, and then yeah, I just kind of walked by their booth and was like, I don't know why I haven't heard of you, but I wish I did before because I loved a, a ton of the stuff that they had out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'll, I think too many I think too many people kind of fell into a a comfortable groove of we're gonna try to make some stuff that's similar to Body Vision, you know, like and I don't I don't want to make it sound like that's a bad idea or that people are like straight out copying or anything like that. But, um, I think that there was like, there was a generation that saw, okay, these are the, these are the market leaders. I want to get in on this. I want to get in on this gold end piece thing. And then a lot of different companies came out with gold end pieces and gold rings over this few years period, but it was all kind of the same thing. Really sort of, I mean, a lot of the aesthetic was, was really similar. A lot of the manufacturing was really, really similar. Um, and it didn't really give you a lot to get excited about. Sometimes it was like, cool, well, you just, you have stuff available and I can get that. Awesome. But it wasn't really anything that you would get pumped about because it wasn't new. And now you have these generations of companies that are kind of reacting to that and thinking like, you know, I want to make something different and innovative and unique. And the APP conference is where they're going to show it off. And it's, it's really awesome to see Expo every year and just the creativity that explodes there. Absolutely, and I think uh, you know another one of the big ones with that is that we have our, our bread and butter kind of pieces. Everyone's best friend is the two mil CZ, but you know it's when someone comes out with something that it might not be your one that you know you'll sell a thousand of, but it definitely is fun to have all those new pieces that really come in um, that can actually stand out. It's not just yep another one in the pile, the simple prong, or which is there's nothing wrong with them, of course, but it is fun to have a little you know different flavor tossed into the mix here and there yeah and and, uh, you know especially the the companies that are from outside of the u.s they have a totally different take on 
on fashion and style and uh, different kinds of gems and things like that. So Oris, which is a, a Russian company, yep. they're definitely going to have their own flair. And um, ha- do you know Kiwi Romero from Mexico? Yep. Uh, not well, but the name, yes. Yeah. But, uh, that, that's another thing, too, is I, I follow his work on online, and that's just amazing. Like, the detail and, like, it just looks... It doesn't... Not to say it in a negative, but it, it doesn't look like gold. It just looks like some amazing little creature almost you know and uh it's got so much personality to such a small end piece and just the detail and the 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 crafting that goes into it and oris has like a really cool style on it and take on it and all these other companies and um i i love it and my one of my favorite things is seeing what gorilla glass does every year because uh, i think that they they just think about art in in such a unique way that they want to they want to show body jewelry as an art exhibition and not just as a, a piece of jewelry that you just kind of get it in your shop and sell it and, you know, whatever. It's like, look at this thing and appreciate this thing, and I love to see their new stuff every year. Absolutely. It's it's kind of like everything, just like, you know, tattoos or anything else. It's You can have the ones that are very run-of-the-mill, and it, it kind of runs with the flow, but it's always exciting to see something that completely stands out as a full tilt, one-of-a-kind kind of deal. And Sure. Yeah, they definitely blew me away with that this year. I was so used to seeing a lot of, uh, like, Gorilla stuff. It's like, oh, they're plugs and they're power plugs and things. Um, but I didn't even know that a lot of them made, like, some of the, the large weights that they had and everything were just definitely mind-blowing. And now I've I've kind of budgeted for <laughs> a couple of them now myself that I didn't even know I needed in the past until I went to Vegas. And then I, I definitely learned <laughs> that I needed some new things in my life. Yeah, I've I've bought I've bought stuff there that I can't even wear just because I love <laughs> I love to look at it so much, you know? Like I don't even have stretched earlobes anymore. I had them closed up. Yep. But I'll still buy uh Gorilla Glass pieces or like Diablo or Maya or something just because like the artistry in it and I just get it and I put it in my case and think like yep. I'll probably never sell this thing, but I get to look at it every day and that's cool. Yeah. Sometimes you don't even need to. Sometimes it's nice. It's I've uh, significantly shrunk my ears down uh, from like three inches to an inch and a half, but I'll still probably never get rid of my old plugs just because I I love my old jewelry so much and it was so unique and I got really nice things that they have actually just like in a little shadow box now, kind of nice memories and artistry. <laughs> well, that's cute. Well, I, you know, yeah. bonded jewelry you, you connect to it, and I think a lot of people that have that have piercings, especially facial piercings, ear piercings, if you ever have to take them out for something, a medical appointment or sports or whatever, you don't feel like you if you're not wearing it, you know? So um, if you've moved on to other things in your life where maybe you don't have those piercings anymore, the jewelry is still going to have a personal connection to you because for a long time it was like an extension of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. That's a that's been one I've been kind of like bringing up with clients actually uh, when they're looking at pieces and things is not to think of it uh, just as something for today. You know, it's like this can be with you your whole life. This can be with you through a specific part of your life, whatever you want it to be. But it's not like it's a you know a T-shirt that you change every single day. This is it's a part of you. Sure. Uh, has been a, a fun little new way to look at it with them. So after. After conference, when you when you came back home, um, what was it like for you those those first couple days where you're in the shop? Did you did you panic and think like, oh, everything's terrible, I have to change everything, or was it like a point of inspiration where you're like, 
I want to make this better and, and that better and what like what what was what was your energy like? So I was definitely unbelievably motivated coming back. Um, so I was the the fun part with conference. So I think it was about three weeks before attending conference. I had actually just moved from Toronto to Montreal to start working at Move. Uh, so coming back from Vegas, I think I was in my third or fourth week uh, working at Move. So I was super ready to go, super ready to try uh, like all the new techniques and really try to apply everything. Um, luckily, um, and luckily for Pat's sanity, uh, I didn't want to change things around the studio. He's uh, he's done an amazing job making it basically perfect. Uh, so there wasn't too much to, for me to try to switch up. Um, but I definitely seemed like I was wanting to push myself more and more um, than why I had initially started and went. Um, and then I was, you know, kind of setting up to do my first, uh, like, first set of high nostrils after taking Luis's class. Um, and I think made myself a little bit harder on myself, but in probably the best of ways uh, to not be complacent or anything like that, to really, really try to push myself, because uh, I saw it is possible to be that good. I've been given the tools to be the best that I can now. Um, and then I think that's when I noticed my, my skill set rapidly start to get better over the, the few months following. That's great. Uh, so much of it is just confidence, you know, yep. giving yourself that, that moment to say like, I am capable of this. This is just a skill. Other people have learned or developed this skill. Like, why can't I, you know? And then, uh, realizing that there's no one in charge of your success other than you. I'm just doing it. You know, I think that's the big thing. So many piercers that I've that I that so many piercers that I know now, who have open studios or they they guest spot, they do this, they do that, they leave and they go to better, bigger studios, whatever. Um, it's it's really just because they made that mental decision to let themselves, you know, be successful. Uh, sometimes people uh, hold themselves back so unnecessarily. Where I talk to piercers sometimes and they ask questions and they're like, oh, I wasn't really sure. If, this and that, and it's like, no, 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 the way you're doing it is exactly how I do it. I just, I have the the confidence because I've done it 10,000 times or something, you know, and you just need to kind of, you need to build that stuff up. So it's amazing that you can come back from conference and, and just carry that energy with you in, into your day-to-day and, and just start to move on and, and, and grow as a piercer. Absolutely. I think, uh, and it's a, it's a very real one uh, that I've talked to many other piercers about is coming back from conferences kind of remembering that you can't wait for next year to go back. Mm-hmm. Um, I think by the time I hit the plane, I hadn't even left Las Vegas yet. I was already planning for next year. I was already ready to go back. I didn't want it to end. Um, and I think that's one that a lot of us feel. Uh, it's not different uh, to feel like you want to come home and change the world and everything like that. Uh, but I definitely don't recommend anyone to try to come too, too hard at first, you know let everything simmer in your brain, slowly approach all of the new knowledge. Uh, I think I made that mistake a little bit too much as I became very ambitious and wanted to overtly challenge myself. Uh, not that I ended up like, you know, doing anything, but I almost bummed myself out because I came home like, hey, I took this class on high nostrils. Why haven't I done 50 sets of them? And, you know, sure. all these things like, why can't I do a geesh piercing? Why can't I do all these super advanced uh, things like apodravias and things? Um, and it's like, well, that's not the day-to-day. It's awesome to know them and everything, but that doesn't mean it's your you get to do this constantly. So it can be a little frustrating 
having all the new knowledge and you want to test it out and you're not given the chance to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think go. it can also be tough sometimes if you want to do something that would be more drastically different. You know, I, uh, I've never done a freehand piercing and now I want to try stuff freehand. You know, yeah. the, pe- the people that are really heavily reliant on one single method before conference, then they learn multiple methods while they're there and then they come home and they want to try out all these new things and it's like, well dip your toes in a little bit first you know are, is there anything else you need to do to, to be ready to, to do these things or, or whatever and mm-hmm. the people that freak out about their their environment of like oh I need to tear everything down and rebuild the shop it's like maybe make a list maybe make a list maybe focus on your top three priorities and then kind of pick three more after that yeah and it's everything like one week one month at a time just ease yourself into it make sure you're ready do some test runs if it's a you know like a technique or something like that, um, which was one that I was definitely doing a ton once I got back. Um, yeah, don't uh, don't sprint into it too hard. Sure. Yeah, because you don't want to you don't want to make mistakes or be reckless or anything like yeah. that. It, j- just like when you started piercing, uh, I'm sure there was a, a training wheels kind of period, whether it was an apprenticeship or not. But you know, you eased into it. Um, you you weren't just like trying to do everything on day one it's the same thing when you come back from conference you're going to learn so much stuff at a conference that you don't want to just try everything the day you get home you know ease into it figure out how you're going to like apply all this stuff in your studio and do it successfully well exactly that was mine uh like the the inside out nostrils you know try it with a you know like a taper or something like that first just to get the feeling right kind of just understand how things are working slowly bridge into it don't just sprint right at it and be like hey I, I learned this again conference you know I'm fine to do this on my own now it's the whole theoretical and practice they're very different mm. so when you were back from conference like has it kind of made you hungrier to to do more continuing education stuff to do seminars to do I don't know shadowing if that's something you're interested in like what was it like when you were back and now you had this kind of feel for what the like the wide world of, of piercing was absolutely I am uh, it's like definitely kind of give me a, a bit of a kick uh, to get my APP membership in uh, for sure um, definitely want to go do some shadowing and guest spotting around more uh, life's been pretty pretty busy uh, in the past little while for that uh, but I've definitely been looking at you know going uh, like through the states if I can all over Canada kind of wherever it would take me basically um, getting to talk with so many people uh, outside of classes and stuff and hearing how different everyone did things. Uh, I think I probably heard 15 different ways just to do a nostril alone. Um, would be great to really get the shadow or guest spot and you know do a mix of shadowing kind of together and really learn as much as I possibly can and have as many kind of like tools in my toolkit as possible, basically. Yeah, I love I love hearing especially younger piercers talk like that, because if I had figured that out earlier on in my career, I, I think I could have advanced a lot a lot more quickly. I, I was really uh, stubborn with a lot of things where it's like, okay, well this is the way I pierce, and why would I change that? And then it took me a long time to get comfortable with the concept of there's more than one right way to do it, rather than there's my way and everybody else is wrong. Uh, so when you took when you went to the Fakir intensives, was that before or after conference for you? Uh, so that was before. That was actually almost two years before um, before I was even an apprentice, actually. 
So was it something where uh, you were involved in a shop and, and they sent you, or was it something where you just had the passion for body piercing and you just kind of you, you got out there? Yeah, basically. So I had been trying to enter the industry for probably seven years or so at this point. Uh, you know, just no real luck with getting into anywhere that I had really wanted to and such. Uh, so I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go to the Fakir Intensives. At least that's something that I have like on my resume. Kind of like Jeff uh, mentions uh, you know, in his whole blog post about becoming an apprentice and such. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of like the a big driving force. So just saved up and sent myself without anything set up for a shop or anything like that when I went. Who were some of the instructors with the uh, with the class you went to? Uh, so when I went there, and I'm I'm sorry if I forget someone. <laughs> uh, we had I think Grin, Betty Ann, Cody, Becky, Ken, Jeff, and I believe that's everyone. It's kind of nuts. To think of like how how many careers the Fakir Intensives has launched, and how many careers the Fakir Intensives have have nurtured, and just just saying that like the talent that you'd have at one of those things, it's not just like one person talking and creating like the cult of personality. It's so many really good piercers just sharing everything they know. Uh, and it's with people who have sometimes never even put on gloves and, and picked up a needle before. So um, it's it's really something special. I didn't get it for a long time with like the methodology behind behind like the fakir concept. Uh, and and the more that I've gotten to know the people involved in it, and uh, just being able to hear you know fakir's own words too, mm. how it's like a, it's a basic human right basically to have the access to to alter your body how you want and everything and um, it, it's I don't know how to say it really it's just it's it's special it's special and cool yeah, absolutely it was one of those um, going into it I had always been you know wildly obsessed basically since I was a I think I wanted to be a piercer when I was like. 12 i knew basically <laughs> um like i was a little kid seeing you know like kind of like metalheads and punks around the the city with piercings and i was like i need that that's what i want to do this is awesome um yeah and then talking to fakira when i was there and just his approach of it was so it kind of i guess added so much more meaning it became past just self-expression and everything like that it really became this almost super personal thing and taught you how to if you want to go that route, um, like really connect on a personal kind of like energy level with every client. And it was, I think I got a lot more out of it than I was anticipating. Um, especially on that side, it wasn't my, my go-to thought process. And then it Mm -hmm. completely changed the way that I think about body modification as a whole completely. That's great. I, so many people have so many different, takes on the same passion and I, I like to hear that you know so whether it's people at conference or in another classes or just talking to other piercers and they don't even necessarily need to be able to articulate it in words but sometimes when they when they try to articulate it and fail when they just have that kind of moment like that I get stuck in sometimes where it, yep. you're just trying to express your passion and but you can't really express it in words so it's really nice to meet other people that can understand that passion and, and share in that passion. And that's that's the big difference between like what I see as body piercing and what some other people might see as body piercing. I will never see it as just a job. 
it's yeah. it's it's who I it's who I am. You know, it's my my identity is like I'm a I'm a body piercer. You know, I might not have known it when I was when I was twelve, but I think I think it was still there that I was like I was meant meant to do it, and this is what this, this is the thing that nurtures me basically. Mm. Well, yeah, I think it's it's kind of one of those where piercers are kind of their own special little breed. I think sometimes as we're all somehow like we all just have something in us that sets us apart from your average person and i think the more i talk to people that aren't piercers or say even in the same realm of it say tattoo artists is when i really see the difference that i seem just to click with piercers better than anyone because we seem to have this different kind of outlook on things and just kind of like the way we look at the body i think is a little different than your average person sometimes at least for Mm -hmm. a chunk of us well, uh, if you're ever in a, a group of body piercers and you're on like a heavily packed train or bus or something, you, you look around at their eyes and they're just darting around between like staring at people's ears or other anatomical yep. features because it's like, oh man, I would love to, I would love to pierce your rook. Like, look at that ear. Ugh. And it's like, you're just, it's like that scene in Fight Club where they get on the bus and they're just <laughs> sizing everybody up for a fight. But it's like, oh man, I bet you would look really good with a nape piercing. Yeah. Yeah, you can help it, and I catch myself doing it constantly. It's like I'm not even trying to, but I'll just be on the subway, and I'm just like, that would look so good with like X piece of jewelry in it, or just, and I'm like, I'm grocery shopping on, I'm on my way doing errands. Stop thinking about piercing, but I just can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you got the bug. Yep, it's it's just party, you know. It's all you can ever. You can't. I couldn't leave it if I tried. I think. I'm I'm kind of uh I'm at a point in my career where I'm trying to think about what's my next what's my next phase of being a body piercer because I'm I think I'm already kind of done with the I can work a whole bunch of days and a whole bunch of hours like I I can't do that like if I if I work more than a half day it's just like oh <laughs> God I want to go home you know I don't I don't have twelve hour days in me anymore yeah so I'm trying to think but like yeah I'll never be able to let it go even if even if like I wanted to air quotes retire like I'm still gonna want to be around it and in it like all the time yep yeah absolutely that's a uh, like my uh, my mentor uh, like Pat McCarthy I don't think he's kind of the same he's been doing it for in 28 years now and he's in quotes retiring eventually but i don't think he ever will because i don't think he would know what to do with himself if he retired to be honest because it's just been it's you know it's piercing becomes kind of your your you have to nurture it it's just such a big part of you that i don't think he would and but tons of others i just don't think they'd know what to do anymore if they were completely removed from it yeah i'm in that category so uh, going back to conference next year, are you going to try to get there um, as a volunteer, or are you going to go as just an attendee? Uh, so I definitely plan on volunteering if I can. Um, I know obviously it's a, there's a lot of volunteers now, so we're going to start kind of packing in. Um, but if not, uh, even doing the the volunteer underground or just kind of helping out, even if I'm not part of that. Uh, part of me wants to experience conference as just a normal attendee, but I think the kind of being part of it and getting to see it be built up from the ground, you know, you get to say proudly, like, I helped make this happen in my own little way. Uh, I think once you do it once, it's hard to not want to do it again, at least for mm. myself. Yeah, no, I, I, I can see that because there are, there are those people who have been volunteers for five years or more, and yep. it's like that's, that's their conference experience. And uh, you can definitely see it with 
the the volunteer army where it's like it's a family and if you're not part of that group uh it might not feel the same and it might not even have the same draw to you anymore so i i, I totally get what you mean yeah it's kind of like being at work and watching everyone else you know scurry around while you put your feet up i don't i'm not good at doing that and same deal I, i'll always want to be part of it um in some way or another yeah so for the people who are maybe kind of uh, holding back on their applications, because when this when this goes live, there's only going to be about two weeks left for people to get their applications in. So what would you want to say to people who are kind of on the fence about applying, or what kind of advice would you want to give someone who's putting an application together? Say definitely, you know, take your time on it. Um, I ended up having to remake my video. I lost the data, so I had to rush it out in the past couple days. Um, sorry, the last couple days. Um, definitely, you know, take your time on it. Really make sure that it's a good representation of you. Um, but absolutely, you know, get it in. Kind of toss your hat into the pile. Uh, for anyone that's been piercing, you know, 15 years and you've never been able to go, or this is your, you know, your brand new, whatever it is, uh, I think it will change your life or at least your career in some large way. Um, and it's definitely been like a massive growing thing not even just as far as my career went uh but i also just made a, a ton of lifelong like super close friends uh, even if they're you know all around the world now uh you've always got someone to kind of fall back on and it's it's nice to kind of really get yourself in there that you're not an outsider or anything uh as many people feel in the the community that you're you're part of it you know this is kind of the the way to go and you'll always have a, a little home within the the piercing world uh for sure. Oh, very sentimental, and I know. Very well, yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> it's uh, if you're listening and you don't get it, like if you hear us talking about conference and you're like, "What's the big deal?" It's just it's just a, a training class thing. Uh, it's 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 a lot more than that to a lot of people. You know, it's um, it's the I guess it's really the one time a year where they get to feel like they're uh, part of something or whatever it is, whatever cheesy sentimental thing it is. Uh, I feel it, and I feel like uh, you feel it also. Absolutely. Team Ryan, Team Emotional Conference Ryan. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely one of those big ones. I think uh, just getting to go out there, it really breaks down all those barriers. For years, I had been trying to, and you know, talk to some other piercers and things like that, but it was always a little intimidating, and it kind of just forces you know every door is down now, and now I can't even imagine like or couldn't name everyone that i had made friends with and everyone's always like you know message me if you need anything um i probably ended up talking with 30 at least of my peers since leaving uh, about different techniques and everything on like basically a weekly basis so it's definitely definitely worth it and definitely boosted my my confidence with clients uh, if you can talk to that many people in a week uh talking to a client becomes so so much easier <laughs> also uh free tacos at the opening party yep free tacos are definitely worth it the ending party was a whole lot of fun uh i did not expect to see as many people and boas and their boxers and it was great <laughs> <laughs> everyone knows who i'm talking about <laughs> Uh, so to wrap it up, uh, go ahead and give your uh, social media info, shop info, any of that stuff. All right. Uh, yeah, so thank you again for listening. So, uh, like I was saying, so I'm Ryan Caruana from Mauve Body Piercing in Montreal. 
Uh, if you want to follow me on social media, I'm not great at it, but I'm trying to get better. It is piercing underscore by underscore Ryan. And the shop page is just Mauve Montreal. Cool. I'm going to try to get out to uh, to Montreal within the next couple of months. I'm going to try for maybe like May or June or something like that, get out and, and do a class up there. I went up there once to take one of uh, one of the progressive mentorship safety classes with, oh, with nice. Jesse and Ethics. Nice. But it was painfully cold when I went, so I refused to go <laughs> back during the winter months. Yeah, we, we just got dumped on today, so I, I don't blame you. I'm not the biggest fan right now. <laughs> Yeah, I'll come out there when like I can wear uh, a t-shirt or at least just a hoodie and not like three parcels. <laughs> yeah, enjoy enjoy Montreal for a little bit. That yeah. would be great. Uh, yeah, we don't get a. It's kind of sad. Uh, the states seems to have a, a ton of opportunities for that stuff. At least in comparison to Canada, we don't have many people teaching classes up here. So of course, it's always incredibly appreciated to to make the trip up. And also, poutine is like a big plus for me. Yeah, we can we can make sure we take you out for poutine. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I appreciate you talking to me, and uh, I'll see you at, at conference next year. I'm gonna guess. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Thank you. All right. Talk to you soon. So, bye. Bye. All right. Thanks for talking to me, Ryan. I'm still not entirely okay with other people in the industry having my same name, but if they're hard workers, I guess I'll learn to live with it. Uh, hopefully this inspired you to stop dragging your feet and get your scholarship application in. Uh, if you haven't finished it, go to safepiercing.org, uh, click on the conference tab, click on the scholarship info tab. You can get all the info about what you need to have prepared and when you need to have it in by. The deadline for applications is going to be February 6th. So work hard on that application, get a strong one in, and you have a really good chance of actually getting one of these scholarship spots. Somebody asked me too, uh, is it rude to apply for multiple scholarships? And I say, hell no. It just proves that you really want to get there. So when you go to that APP website and you click on the LD scholarship information, you can also see information for the alternative scholarships, the Pearson funded scholarships. Typically the way the process goes is the APP scholars are selected first and then uh, then the Pearson funded scholarships uh, select their scholars after that. And that has a, a couple different benefits. If we get people in who were really strong candidates but we just didn't have enough spots for them, we can talk to those other scholarship committees and say, hey, take a really good look at this person, take a really good look at that person. They were really strong applicants. If we had had 11 spots, we would have sent them, but we only had 10. So why don't you look at them for maybe one of your scholarship spots? Um, so get those applications in, take it seriously, and hopefully I'll see you at the APP conference. I'm going to be uh, adding on a little bit to the end of this episode uh, before it gets officially published because there's some late-breaking news for the industry. Uh, today, Neometal announced that they're partnering up with a consortium of companies, and that includes Painful Pleasures, and I saw the Body Modification Learning Forum catch on fire from that post. Um, and I just want to let everybody know that next week I'm going to have a special episode with John Cattell from Neometal, a one-on-one -on -one interview where we talk about it. We talk about the partnership, we talk about the logistics, we talk about the reality of it, we talk about their company's family history, all these different things. Did you know Neometal used to make body jewelry for Gauntlet? I thought that was pretty cool learning that. Um, just a couple things to maybe try to put out some of these fires. Uh, from what John told me, the jewelry manufacturing is going to stay exactly the same as it is. 
It's going to be the exact same jewelry made in the exact same facility in Washington State. It's not going to be outsourced overseas. It's not going to be dropped down to a lower quality material. It's going to be the exact same material from the exact same sources with the exact same verification for the neo metal you already know and love and carry in your studios. So tune in next week. We're going to hear a lot of the answers to those questions. I pressed them on a couple of things for you. I didn't want to make it seem like I had my nose up his butt too, too much. Uh, but we do kind of get to the bottom of some of this stuff, and he does share some good information. Uh, I personally feel very comfortable with what he was telling me, but I'll leave that up to you to make the own decisions for your own practices and your own studios. Uh, but tune in next week for that very special interview with John Cattell of Neometal. If you're interested in any of my classes, you know where to find the info there. You can go to precisionbodyarts.com seminars, or you can follow Body Art Education by Ryan Willett on Facebook. And as always, if you have any questions, go ahead and email me, ryanpba at gmail.com. But I'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved.